If you weren't here last week, we just, we just started a brand new series. Um, we had been preparing all summer um, for this series, getting us ready um, by going through um, uh, this promised child in Genesis 1 through 11. And Matthew 1 picks up with that theme of here's, this, here's the arrival of the promised child. And so um, that's, we looked at the genealogy last week, tying Jesus back to to guys like David and to Abraham, and that will be important as we pick up today. Um, you'll see that same language of son of David. You'll see the, um, the blessing from Abraham being passed on here as well um, with, with Jesus' purpose. And if you're taking notes and you want a title, if it just helps you kind of focus, see where we're headed, um, it, it would be, um, we will clearly see that Jesus is fully God, fully man, and that he came to save uh, his people from sins. So Jesus, fully God, fully man. So we're going to see the incarnation here. Uh, and, and that he, he, he had a purpose. And his purpose was to save people from their sins. Uh, so that's where we're headed. So let me just pray um, for our time in God's word. That he would speak through me. Um, that I would not get in the way. And that, uh, that your hearts and eyes would be open. So let me, uh, let me just invite him to, to work in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we come just begging that you would uh, uh, penetrate our, our hearts, that um, in this room there's hearts, um, different gradations of, of, uh, of density, that some are hardened, some are soft and malleable, and Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts today, that we would all just hear from you, that your word would be powerful enough to penetrate our, our hearts, and you'd convict us of our sin, that we would bow our knee to you, Lord. So give us eyes to see you this morning. Give us ears to hear from your Holy Spirit, and I pray this in Christ's name, amen. So here, here's just this, this is a passage that we normally never visit until December, and it's interesting how, like, the, the stories of baby Jesus, like, we just, we just keep those until, until Christmas. And in fact, when, um, when we were planning this series, so right now, First Baptist Canova and First Baptist Ashland are also going, they're preaching this passage this morning. And because we're so influenced by holidays, we, we actually thought about not starting in Matthew 1, that we would start a little later, maybe Matthew 4. Um, and, uh, and then come back to Matthew 1 at Christmas time, because that's what you do at Christmas time. You preach these passages. And I just really felt like, no, we need to just preach this now, because I think it connects us back to Genesis. Um, this whole purpose of the Old Testament is pointing us to this promised child who's coming. Here's this arrival of this promised child. And I think by us teaching this in September, that you, you begin to like see this passage and maybe in a new light. So this is a really familiar passage. If you've been coming to church for a while, you've, you've heard this. But I pray that you don't have all like the Christmas things in your mind to where you can just clear it out and just really just look at the text. What is this passage talking about? Um, and so um, let's look at this together. So verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together, she found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So here, clearly you'll see Jesus, he, he's born of a woman. Um, so there's, there's humanity, but then he is um, put there, he's conceived from the Holy Spirit. And so this is just one of those difficult concepts um, for us to explain. I have a difficulty this morning even talking about this because it's such a deep concept. Uh, this is the doctrine that um, other religions would, would, would look upon and go, there's no way that's true. So Muslims would not agree with this concept. Um, even Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons would disagree with this concept that Jesus is fully God, fully man. And here, here's just a um, from one theologian, let me read this to you. Speaking of the incarnation, um, it is by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible. Far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing than even the, the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God could become man and join himself to a human nature forever so that infinite God became one person with finite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. So that's what we're after this morning. This idea that God is fully man and uh, um, fully God and why that's important for us. Why that helps you get up tomorrow and go to work when you don't feel like it. It's wrapped up in this doctrine. This is such an important doctrine for us on how we live. That, that Jesus is fully God, fully man. The incarnation, or you may have heard it called the hypostatic union. That, that there's these two um, um, essence coming together, making one, just this union. And so um, we clearly see this from Scripture. So you have to start with, is Scripture true? Can you trust the Word of God? And if so, we clearly see that Jesus is fully God, fully man. Let me give you some examples of his humanity. Uh, so if we keep walking through the Gospels, we would see verses like this, Luke 2.40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So we see here that he, Jesus had a human body that started out small, and it, and it grew. His body grew um, and became strong. Uh, we see in Matthew 4, and we'll see this in a few weeks, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So this is his, his humanity that Jesus got hungry. Just like you get hungry, and I keep preaching a long time, you, you, you get hungry and hungrier, and when's he going to finish? You get hungry, Jesus got hungry. Not only did he get hungry, he got thirsty. Look at um, John 19, 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said uh, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. So here Jesus is getting, he's becoming thirsty. Uh, and then we see in, um, in John 12 that, that even um, uh, his spirit was troubled. He says, now um, is my soul troubled? And, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have, I have come to this hour. And so here we see that, like think about this, Jesus, his soul was troubled. 
That should bring incredible comfort to us this morning. That, that if you've ever been troubled, guess what? So is Jesus. Jesus has been troubled. Okay? Uh, and then we see this one, the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Now, the context of this is um, a good friend of his died. And Jesus wept hearing the news that his friend was, was, was dead. Now, this is what's crazy about this. Is, uh, this is the story of Lazarus, which Jesus raises him from the dead just days later. So uh, this has always been amazing to me that here Jesus, who I think believes he's all-knowing, um, he's all-powerful, he, he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead in a few days. But yet hearing the news that he was dead, still cried. He wept. And man, what a great verse. If, if, if you've ever gone through the loss of a loved one, to know that Jesus grieved, that he wept, and he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. That should bring incredible uh, comfort to us that, that when you lose a loved one, it is perfectly fine to weep that you grieve that person, that loss. So those are some verses, and, and man, I could stay up here all morning and just give us verses that talk about his humanity, how he was fully human. Um, there's many of those, so those are just some. But then we'll also see in Scripture that he's fully God. Uh, so Colossians 2, verse 9, says this, For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So it's saying in, in Jesus, uh, so if a Jehovah's Witness comes knocking at your door, um, th this is a good verse to point them to. Um, that, that the whole fullness of deity, not, not some, um, but the fullness of deity dwells in Christ. And then we see stories in the Gospels where the disciples looked at him as, as God. For example, um, John 20 says this. So this is after the resurrection. He appears to his disciples he says this in John 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Uh, and Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And uh, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so what Je like look at Jesus all throughout the Bible, whenever you see someone worshiping like an angel, for example, an angel would show up and somebody would bow down to an angel. The angel would always say, no, don't worship me. Get up. Don't worship me. Worship God alone. Here, Jesus receives worship. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, no, no, don't say that. He embraces it. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? And, and, and so we see that Jesus receives worship. And so in verse 18, we clearly see that Jesus is fully God, fully man, that his, his mother was Mary, um, but his father is, uh, is um, in heaven and conceived by the Holy Spirit. So he had no earthly father. And that's so important for us. Um, if he had an earthly father like you and I, then 
he inherits the sin from Adam, which we will see later in this passage. But he, he does not have an earthly father, so he doesn't have this original sin. And, um, and that's huge for us. And so he does have an earthly father, though, and we'll, we'll see that in verse 19. Um, in verse 19, it says, and her husband, Joseph. Now, um, here we're, last week we were actually introduced, the genealogy last week was actually Joseph's genealogy. I don't know if you caught that or not. But last week when we were going through that, it gets to, um, to Joseph and it says, And uh, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. And so here's Joseph. It says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce, to divorce her quietly. Now, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You've, you're betrothed. Okay, so we don't really use that word anymore. That's, that would be what we would probably call engage, engagement. And, and our engagement still isn't even what their betrothal period was. Um, when they were betrothed, look at this language. So they're not married yet. They're just betrothed. We saw that in the last verse. But yet in verse 19, it says her husband, Joseph. That would be like two of you who are engaged. I don't know if we have anybody engaged today. But it would be like you already were calling your, your, the, the guy the husband. Like we, we just wouldn't do that. And the reason was is because this betrothal, it was such a binding period. It was like, it was like a contract. It was like, 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 um, like a, the wedding ceremony is a contract. And, um, and so in order to, to break off even an engagement, this betrothal period, you had to divorce that person. You couldn't, like now you can just break off an engagement. Maybe you get the ring back. Um, and that's, I don't know how that works. Uh, I'm going to have to find out. But... Um, um, somehow I tricked my wife. She said yes, and um, 13 years I've pulled this scheme off. Uh, and uh, but there was a way. In Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 tells um, um, the Jews how they would go about divorcing one through this betrothal period. And um, and and so here I, you look at Joseph, and and you just go, man, like this is a, an incredible guy. That, that he was, and we see here he was a just man, and he was unwilling to put her to shame. I mean, think about, you're engaged to this lady, and, and, and you know, she's never been with a man. There's never been any physical um, relations there, and, and, and he's had none. And yet, he finds out she's pregnant. I mean, everybody in the history of man other than Joseph is going to call, you know, there's no way this is true. Like, like, like uh, you've cheated on me. That's the only, like, you're pregnant. Uh, and I've never had physical relations with you. So, obviously, you, you've cheated. And, and so, um, but here you see, he had an opportunity to, to, you know, to shame her publicly. But he doesn't at all. He is this humble, just um, godly man, and um, and he doesn't um, um, put her to shame. Um, he he decides to divorce her quietly. But verse twenty. Um, but as he considered these things, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, key phrase there, son of David, do not um, fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and, uh, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is beautiful. Uh, and, and so I, I just, for me, it would have to be an angel. I mean, some, I would have to like, like think about Joseph getting this news, um, knowing that your fiance's um, pregnant and it's not from you. And uh, you'd, you'd want to, you know, I'm sure there'd be maybe some anger in you, frustration and wanting to, to end that. And an angel comes and says, don't, don't be afraid, Joseph. Son of David. What's happening here is unique. It's never been done before. Just trust that the Lord is at work, that she's going to bear a son. He's from the Holy Spirit, and his name is Jesus. You remember last week, Jesus' name literally means to save, the one who saves, from the Hebrew name Joshua. And, and, and look at this. He will save his people from their sins. So here's the purpose of why he came. Jesus did not come for you to have this happy, easy, convenient life. He did not come so that you could have the American dream, to have all the stuff. That was not his primary purpose. He came to save his people from their sins. Period. That's his mission. He's on a plan of uh, rescue, and this is it. To save his people from their sins. He didn't come. Maybe they were looking for this military leader to save them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. That was not Jesus' purpose. His purpose was to redeem his people from their sins. Now, who in the world is, is his people? This is beautiful. Let's look at John 10. John 10, 16 says this. This is Jesus. He's, he's speaking. He says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is a concept that the Jews had trouble with. They believed that he was, this, he was going to be this Jewish Messiah, this Jewish Savior. Jesus had bigger plans and here he's saying, I, I've got other sheep that are not of this fold, meaning I've got these, these Gentiles, these, these people who aren't Jewish. So there's either Jews or Gentiles, and so Jews and everybody else, and so probably all of us fit to that Gentile category. Jesus came for, this, for the sheep that are not of this fold, the Jewish fold. Um, and so he had the Jewish fold, um, but he wanted to, it was bigger, it was global, and this was, not, this was not hidden from the Jews. They, 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 they knew this, and this is why I think Matthew starts out this way, tying in this genealogy of Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham. Because if you go back to, to Abraham's story, and you remember that we went through this maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, in uh, and, and the covenant that God made with Abraham. You remember what he said to Abraham? He said, uh, uh, bless are you, Abraham, um, 
because of your faith, um, that, that I'm going to make uh, a, a nation, um, and, and the nations will be, will be blessed because of you. The, remember the story of the stars in the sky? And, and, and so this is what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is that son of Abraham that's going to be a blessing to the nations, that all nations will be blessed through this son. This is the son. This is that Jesus will be a blessing to all nations. And, and, and so you and I um, are part of this, his people phrase here. This is not just talking about the Jews, that he will save his people. His people, it's a global mission. That's why missions are so important. That's why Caleb got up this morning and prayed for Taiwan. Because that's his people. That, that's God's people. That, that there's not like black and white and, and, and Jew and Gentile. That's gone. There's the human race. And that's it. And everybody, no matter what skin color you have, what you look like, you have tremendous value because God created you. And he loves you. Though we may look different in this room, and I love, as I look out, you might not be able to see this. As I look out, I see many different um, skins, skin tones, where you're from. I see a brother from China, Iway. Praise the Lord for you. Uh, and, and Jesus came to save his people from their sins. I don't know if there's, the first part might be good news for you, that you're his people. I want to be God's people, right? You want, to be, you want to be on God's side, right? But did you also know that he came to save his people from their sins? And let me personalize that. He came to save you from your sin. He came to save me from my sin. Did you know you have sin? Did you know that? That you have sin in your life? If not, just ask whoever invited you this morning. Ask Ask your husband, ask your wife, ask somebody that you work with, ask your son or daughter, that everybody in this room, we all have that in common, that we are sinful, rebellious people. And God came to save you from your rebellion, that in your own, just in your flesh, you will walk away from God day after day. And I know I do. I did this week. I just confessed that when I got up this morning. That I have walked away from God. I, 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 there were things where like, like Jesus should be number one. I preached that was last week's sermon that Jesus is on. He's, he's the Lord. He's the king. That we bow down to the king. And there's other things that throughout my day that I will... Take Jesus off his throne and I'll put something else up there. It's usually me. I'll put myself on the throne and kind of worship me and my schedule and my life and my convenience and my control. If it doesn't go my way, then I get frustrated and, 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 and um, angry. And, and so I've got to repent and take me off the throne and put Jesus back where he belongs. And we all do that with things. It could be your children Parents, can I get an amen? Sometimes parents, we put our children on the throne. 
And, and our whole world revolves around them. And, and we're, we want them to be the best at everything. And so we're, we're going you know, to send them to, to gymnastics and to baseball and to football camps and basketball camps. And we're going to do all these things. And we're going to make them the greatest. And, and, and yet we don't teach them this stuff. We don't, we, don't, we don't teach them that the most important thing for them to do is to, to bow their knee to Jesus. And, and yet we want them to be the greatest of everything, but yet we fail to teach them the most important thing in life. And, and, and we try to remind our kids that they are not the most important thing to me and Olivia. We love them, and that sounds crazy for even me to even say that, because that's kind of what our culture says. Um, but it's, it's a good reminder for them that Jesus should be the supreme in our lives, in our decisions, and then my wife's and I's relationship, and then the children come underneath that. And then you should have priorities. And so here Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And then we see um, in verse 22... Um, more that the angel is continuing to Joseph. He says, all this um, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken um, by the prophet. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is where, you know, the band would sing Christmas song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. So this is, you know, this is a classic Christmas passage that I think we don't really look at. But here his name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That, that that was his goal from back in the garden. Remember when we started the series in the summer in, in Genesis? God wanted to be with his people. He wanted to dwell among men. But because of the sin of, in Adam and Eve, he had to remove them from the garden. And he couldn't be with them. God, because he's holy, cannot be with unholiness. And so something has to fix the unholiness. Either he has to stop being God and stop being holy so that he can be with uh, unholiness or something from the unholiness has to become holy. And so that's what his plan of rescue was all throughout the Old Testament, setting us up for this moment where Jesus comes to earth. Now again, he's, he's dwelling among man. I love that, that God is with us, that he's transcendent, he's above us, he's holy and set apart, but yet he's, he's with us. He's near, Psalm 139 says, that he's near to us. It's incredible that, that he is Emmanuel. Some of you just need to hear that word today, that name, Emmanuel, because you don't think God's near you. You think that you've sinned so badly that God doesn't want anything to do with you. And I'm telling you, the name Emmanuel means he wants to be with you. I don't care what sin you've done. God wants to be with you. Verse 24, as we keep walking. When Joseph woke from, his, uh, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name 
Jesus. This is just beautiful. I, I, I love the story. I love just thinking about Joseph. And, and you know, I, we make much of Mary. Um, I just can't imagine, like, this, this couple. And, and we'll see a little more next week. Um, we, we know that, um, that they weren't, um, they didn't come from much. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, and we know that from the sacrifices that they make um, at the temple. And, um, but just thinking that, that out of all the people, so you've got one, one promised child. And, and God had this plan. You know, we, we saw that this was planned um, before the foundation of the world. And so here God already had this plan of redemption that he was going to send his son. And, and he's sending his son, and there's just one lady in the whole universe that he could do that with. And, and think, Mary, I mean, just imagine how special Mary would have felt. And I'm sure just overwhelmed. I mean, my goodness, when you're pregnant with your first child, you're scared to death anyways. And, 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 and there's this overwhelming sense of, like, how do I keep this child alive? Like, what? How do I raise this child? You've got the Messiah. <laughs> you get the Savior of the world living inside you. You talk about pressure. You know, she's watching what she's eating. You know what I mean? Like, like don't smoke around my son. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. Come on. And, 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 and Joseph, and, and there's this beautiful picture, and this is why I love this, that wrapped up in this story here, is a story of adoption. That here you see Joseph, son of David. And that phrase ties us back to Jesus. You remember, in, and this is the way the book of Matthew starts out. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Well, he's the son of David because he's the son of Joseph. Now, Luke, will, Luke has another genealogy. And so Luke, Luke's genealogy is, um, is Mary's genealogy. But here we see that the son of David phrase is, um, is this picture that, that Joseph adopted Jesus and made him his own. And adoption is this beautiful picture that when you adopt someone, they legally have your rights. And so Joseph, think about this, Joseph was the son of 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 King David. So Joseph had the rights to the throne. Okay? Everybody following that? Like, Joseph's great, 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 whatever grandfather was King David. So following that lineage, Joseph would, was a king. And uh, he wasn't on the throne. But when he adopted Jesus as his son, Jesus received those blessings from David. And... and this is incredible that, that you see this picture of adoption here, that, that Joseph is passing on that blessing from 2 Samuel 7, that the king, um, that those promises made to the, to the king David would be passed down to this promised son. And as we see here, Joseph's son is actually Jesus, that he adopts him, so he has those rights. So I'm wearing my adoption shirt today. I don't know if you've noticed... That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is from um, 
Jay and Kate Lacani, they're adopting a special needs um, Chinese girl. And so we get to meet her next month, Lord willing. Um, is Kate in here? Is she with the kids? Kate is where? Hand, Kate, October 25th, Kate will go to pick up her daughter. And at this point, she's technically, have you signed papers? So she's not technically your daughter, but at some point you will sign and we'll, we're calling her Jojo. Uh, and so baby Jojo, she will have the same rights legally as Micah and Sonali, who are, you know, um, Jay's and Kate's natural children, uh, Micah and Sonali, Jojo will have the exact same rights as Sonali and Micah, um, even though she had different parents, because adoption is that powerful, that when you're adopted, that you become, you, she actually belongs to them legally. When they pass away, she will receive that inheritance just as um, their natural born children would. Uh, and so there's this picture of adoption here. And I know like Leslie, Leslie's done the same thing um, with, uh, with Jude and Jada that um, they're actually yours. They belong to you. <laughs> and and the the beautiful part is, is is that the Bible says that we've been adopted, and so this is just a beautiful picture of the gospel here that we, that we just see being laid out for us that 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 we were children of wrath. Ephesians two says that we had a father, but our father was uh, Scripture says was Satan. That we were sons and daughters of disobedience. And we followed after that father's ways. But then we had a better father who came and rescued us from that situation. And he adopted us. Look at this, Ephesians 1 verse 5. It says this, he predestined us, talking about the, the father, um, he predestined us for adoption as sons, and it's implied here, as daughters, through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So your plan, I, this is so beautiful. Adoption is so beautiful. No matter what sin, no matter how much, done, how much bad you've done in your life, what, what Ephesians 1.5, it gives us so much hope. Because Jesus, um, this adoption took place before the foundation of the world. So way back here, before you've ever screwed up your life, Jesus looked at you and said, man, I, I love you, I value you, I'm adopting you. Now, now, Kate, did JoJo pick you guys? No. See, that's the beautiful thing about adoption. She doesn't go to China and, 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 and walk around the um, orphanage and, and the orphans go, yeah, I will take her. That's not how it works. She goes and she picks the child because of her grace and kindness and love. And that's what's happening before the foundation world. Like God looks at you and, and, and you're not even on the scene yet to screw this up, which amen to that. And, and he looks at you and he goes, 
I love you. Not because you're perfect. Not, not because you've done something great for me. Um, but because I love you. And that's, that's the heart of adoption. Heart of adoption says, I love you. It's not because you're doing something great for me, even though it always does work out that way, that the parents just, there's, you love them like you would any other child. But that's not, that's not why. Like you, you, just, you just graciously bring them in, but you're not looking for something in return. Um, and that's exactly what God does with us. He, he looks at us, and at some point we do arrive on the scene, and we do make a mess of our lives, and, and, and yet he, he goes, I love you, come with me. You're my son. You're my daughter. It's an incredible story of adoption. So I just want to encourage you this morning. I want you to pray about adoption. I want you to pray about fostering. In the Huntington area, there, there's, there's, even if all of us in this room fostered a child, there would still be more kids to foster in Huntington. And, and, and when you bring in a child into your home, you, you're painting this picture of what God has done with us. And so I just encourage you this morning, pray about the concept of fostering a child. Pray about adoption. It's a beautiful gospel concept. And just as I started this morning, I want to close this morning just with this idea of the, this hypostatic union, the incarnation, that Jesus is fully God, fully man. Why does this matter? Is this just something we sing about at Christmas? What's the practicality? What's the, what's the application of the incarnation? Well, we see that he's fully God, and so... If Jesus was just man, and he wasn't fully God, and not like mostly God, but fully God. If he wasn't fully God, he couldn't take away our sins. Look at this, Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience, this is talking about Adam. So by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. If he wasn't obedient, fully obedient, he never sinned, he could not have saved us from our sins. And if he wasn't fully God, if, if he would have been conceived by, um, by man, by Joseph, then he would have been born with sin. And he couldn't be this fulfillment of Romans 5.19. And so he had to be born without an earthly father. Uh, and so he had to be fully God. To take away our sins. No man can... I, I, can't, I can't take away your sin. I can't do that. I want to, but I can't. But Jesus being fully God, only God can wipe away sin. Jesus, because he was perfect, spotless, he can take away sins. So that, that's why he had to be fully God. So that, that's the practicality side of, 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 that, of that doctrine. That without the incarnation, you couldn't be forgiven. You would still be making sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. But Jesus died for all of your sin. So that's why we have to, this is an, an important doctrine. We must die on this hill that Jesus was fully God, fully man. So why was his humanity so important? Why do you have to be man? 
Hebrews 2, um, uh, this is incredible. I love the book of Hebrews. We went through, last year, this is the book we walked through. And Hebrews 2 uh, says this, says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are also being tempted. Jesus had to become flesh. He had to be able to identify uh, with his people. Um, Hebrews 4, a couple chapters later, we see this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help him in time of need. And so the reason Jesus became flesh is so that there's going to be moments in your life to where you're going to hurt and, and, and you're going to think nobody else can identify with you. No one knows what you're going through. But yet Jesus does. He's walked literally in your shoes. He was tempted just as you were tempted, Scripture says, but without sin. Uh, he is tempted as we are, yet without sin. Uh, he, have you ever been wronged? It's kind of rhetorical, but have you, has someone ever wronged you? Yes. Jesus has been wronged. Has anybody close to you ever wronged you, betrayed you? It has happened with Jesus as well. He's been betrayed by someone close to him. Um, anybody ever um, wrongly accuse you of something? Jesus can identify with you in your suffering. Um, this is why this doctrine is so beautiful. That no matter what you're going through right now, Jesus is that high priest who can empathize with you. He, he, is, he has been... And he literally, see, this, this is the beautiful part about Christianity from, from other religions. No other religion has a God like this. Every other religion has this God who is just like set apart, who, who has never like come and walked through our situation. Jesus has. He knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like to be hungry, to be thirsty, he knows what it's like to have family members, um, you know, betray him or, or, or talk poorly about him. Jesus can identify with you. That's, that's the beautiful part about Christianity is Jesus left his throne and came and walked with man so that he could know what you're going through. Incredible. That's why this story is so beautiful. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And this morning, I really want you just to leave just being um, just so excited and overwhelmed with this idea that Jesus came to save his people, uh, which includes, you know, these sheep that are out of that fold, and to save them from their sin. And so, now the way that happens is that you just repent. And repentance means that you turn away from. 
It means you were walking this way after these things, you were chasing these things, and now you're walking towards Jesus. You have a different life. And so Jesus says, repent, trust in me, follow me. Uh, that's what it means to be um, forgiven of your sin. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've heard you, you want to be a part of his people. The way you're part of his people is through repentance. So you repent, trust in him. Um, we would love to know about that. Um, so please write that on that connect card um, in front of you. Just write your name. Say, I, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to be a part of his people. Write that on the back. Put it in that box um, in the back. And we would love to help you um, with your journey of um, walking with Christ, learning what it means to be adopted. This morning, you can, you can have a new father. That, that your father is this king. You can be royalty this morning. But it takes you bowing your knee. You've got to surrender. Surrender it all to him. Uh, and, and so I'm excited for this series in Matthew. Just starting off that, that we're all starting out in the same place. That we've got to bow our knee to King Jesus. And then he begins to teach us what that looks like with the Sermon on the Mount. That what his people actually do and how they live and how they think and how they talk. That's what Jesus is after. He's not, he's not after you being a good person or about you just um, uh, having this happy, convenient life. He's after you being a repentive person, a, a person of confession. And then the morals come after that. But just being a good person doesn't make you one of his people. It's, it's, it's that you're repenting of your sin. That's how you become a child of God. So let me pray for us this morning that God would just speak to us right now and this would be a time of, of repentance for us all. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I am trusting that your scripture is true and, and trustworthy and as I've read your word and, and um, done my best to taught your word that, that you are at work right now in the hearts of of these people, and I pray that even right now, there's hearts that have never bowed their knee to you. That that there are people who love their way more than they love your way, and they're struggling right now with bowing down to you, giving you all control. They give you some control. They give you Sunday mornings for an hour and a half, but they won't give you their thoughts. They won't give you their finances. They won't give you. Um, just full control of their lives. Lord, I pray that you would convict them right now. Make them absolutely miserable. Um, I remember you did that to me, Lord. I, I, just, I, couldn't, I just couldn't shake it. I, I, just, I was miserable. And I knew just I had to confess of my sin and give my life to you. And so, Lord, I pray for that this morning. I pray that someone would just surrender this morning and be adopted that an adoption would happen this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that they would just confess, they would let us know so we can celebrate that with them. And Father, for most of us in this room, we're already children of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd remind us tomorrow when we wake up and maybe we don't feel like going to work because we don't, we just have just anxiety or depression. There's, we're just troubled in our spirit. May we be reminded that you, Lord Jesus, you too were troubled. That you too 
um, had to go through the difficulties of this world, that you had to go to places that you didn't maybe want to go in your humanity. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged that, that you overcame every single one of those, that you were tempted, yet you didn't succumb to those temptations. You were without sin. So, Lord, may that give us encouragement as we face our own temptations, that we don't have to give in to those temptations because you dwell inside us. You overcome those. You can, you can help us say no to those things. So whether those are sexual temptations, whether those are um, temptations of, of just of, of, of nerves and anxiety and depression, we don't have to give in to those that you give us hope and promise. So Lord, walk with us. Be Emmanuel for us this week. That everywhere we go, we, you are Emmanuel. That you are with us as we are walking into those difficult situations. Whether it's school or work or home, that we step in with Emmanuel. That you are God with us. So, Lord, we thank you for your kindness this morning. I pray that we'd glorify you as we continue to sing. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.